Roman Gabriel Show. Discipline and, and demand for excellence. And that's what worked to me. Coach Saban and Coach Brown were so much alike. And, and, and they communicate, they're great at communicating this to the players and then creating an environment for that to be produced. We call it the process. <laughs> and, uh, what, what it entails is that when a young man comes on campus, they're, they're not focused on the results. What they're focused on is the discipline, the daily discipline to carry out the assignment that you have at that moment. It may be academic at that moment, classroom work. So you take that that same spirit of excellence and you go from there to, to football, you know, because it really is student athlete. Welcome to the Roman Gabriel Show, faith, family, sports. Roman goes up close and personal with high-impact difference makers from the world of sports and entertainment. Get more exclusive content at www.romangabrielshow.com. Now, here's your host, Roman Gabriel. Welcome to a new edition of the Roman Gabriel Show. Coming in with me is former Denver Broncos and Alabama football legend, Jeremiah Castile. He played on the 1979 Alabama team that was the sixth and final national championship under the legendary Tide head coach, Paul Bear Bryant. As a college football All-American, he set a school record with 16 career interceptions, a third-round draft pick to the NFL with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and then to the Denver Broncos. He's best known for his 1987 AFC Championship heroics in the game that's now famously known as the fumble. He separated the ball from Brown's running back Ernest Biner at the goal line that put the Denver Broncos into Super Bowl XXII. All three of his sons followed him in playing Alabama football and winning some national championships. For over two decades, he has served as the Alabama football chaplain, mentoring several generations of Alabama football players to pursue excellence on and off the field. Jeremiah shared his special relationship with Paul Bear Bryant and how it shaped his life and his relationship with his current head coach, Nick Saban. We talked about what the secret to Alabama football has been over these many years and what makes it so successful. We also talked about number one draft pick, former Alabama quarterback and now New England Patriots quarterback, Mac Jones, and a very special Legends Alumni Alabama football event that's coming up this December. Get ready. Yes, I'm going to say it. Roll Tide with Jeremiah Castile. And remember, for all things sports and entertainment and exclusive content, Go to RomanGabrielShow.com. That's RomanGabrielShow.com or anywhere you listen to podcasts. And now streaming on DBNATelevision.tv. That's DBNATelevision.tv. Welcome to the Roman Gabriel Show. RomanGabrielShow.com as well as on anywhere you listen to podcasts, uh, syndicated radio and uh, DBNA television dbna tv dot dbna television dot tv uh and uh, we got a uh, as usual uh, our show's all about faith family and sports and we've got a uh, 
I hate to call him a young man. He looks like a young man, but we're about the same age. Uh, he played DB at Alabama on the last team that Bear Bryant coached uh, on, on that great dynasty. Uh, six years in the NFL, a third-round pick. Uh, you probably remember him most uh, for the play he made on Ernest Biner in the playoffs uh, before Super Bowl Twenty Two, helping the Broncos get to that game against the Washington Redskins and played on those uh, Denver Bronco teams that were so good. Uh, and he's been the chaplain for the University of Alabama uh, for the last 20 years. And uh, two sons, uh, both Tim, uh, C- uh, Caleb, uh, and uh, Tim and Simeon, actually three sons that uh, have played football. And I've met his son, Caleb, who's been on this show uh, through Woodlawn, the movie that he was in uh, about Tony Nathan's life running back at Alabama. So that's a big lead up, but uh, we got a lot of things in common. Jeremiah Castillo is with us, former Alabama and NFL DB. How are you, buddy? I'm excellent, Roman. Thank you for having me. Hey, it's great to have you on the show. And uh, like I said, I, I, I got to know your son a little bit. Uh, had an opportunity to interview him a couple of times. He was actually at Super Bowl when they were promoting the Woodlawn movie and the DVD. And him and Tony came by. And uh, what an incredible story, uh, the whole Tony Nathan story. And, and everybody, if you haven't seen the movie Woodlawn, it's available on Netflix or, or Amazon or any place you can get it, you really need to see it because what, what Jeremiah and I are going to talk about has a lot to do with that. Um, Jeremiah, first of all, um, what's it like uh, to have the opportunity to use your platform as a defensive back for the Denver Broncos uh, as well as, uh, you know, the opportunity to have two, you know, three of your kids uh, that had the opportunity to play college football and, and to share that experience at the University of Alabama and be the chaplain to work with these young men. And um, Nick Saban has built an incredible program that built on what your coach, uh, Paul Bear Bryant, did, right? It is. He has continued – Coach Saban has continued to uh, just really the foundation that was laid by Coach Bryant and uh, – I think the success of Coach Saban has come because of their there's so much alike in their philosophy about life. And uh, that's faith and family, uh, character, uh, the development of young men. So that that and those to me behind the scenes, that's what make have made both of those coaches great coaches. And really with my uh, sons playing uh, Roman, I'm really uh, I, li- I like to tell people when I speak to uh, if it's a businessmen group, I said, I'm a product of leadership. Really, um, it's, you know, people can be in awe of what your accomplishments are, but somebody had to download or instill those uh, principles in a, in a life. So Coach Bryant was a, was a big part of that. My, my mother and my father were a big part of that, and my coaches in high school <laughs> In middle school, were a big part of that. So I'm just a uh, the the philosophy about life and how I was going to raise my children. I a lot of it I got from my dad and Coach Bryant. Well, for college football fans that are this next generation that look at Alabama's, you know, Nick Saban, I'd like you to tell everybody about one of the great coaches of all time that you played for. Paul Bear Bryant. Talk about Coach Bryant. And um, we're, of course, going to talk about this incredible event that's coming up 
the 50th, 50th anniversary of integration into college football that Bear Bryant had a big, big uh, uh, part of this night of legends. Uh, but you played for a legend. Talk about uh, your experience and what Bear Bryant was all about. Tremendous experience. I'm so thankful that God had in his plan for me to play for Coach Bryant. I played, I was there from 79 to 80, the 82 season. That's those four years was Coach Bryant's last four years. I had the tremendous opportunity to play on the last national championship team he coached, which was a great team in 1979. That team went 12 and 0. Didn't lose a ball game and actually uh, tremendous, uh, tremendous leadership on that team. And if you could uh, go at where are they now, you find a lot of those guys went on to be very successful. To me, the key to Coach Bryant's success was his um, his wisdom in realizing that he was in the in the business of developing, helping um, boys become men is the way I like to put it. And uh he did that by uh, setting very high expectations and uh, the demand for excellence, tremendous demand for excellence and a tremendous work ethic. And so all of these things, you know, I, I just, as I like to tell people, I bought in, <laughs> you know, to all of it. And from that came uh, success. You know, I was an All-American uh, my senior year got drafted in the third round and uh, just really helped uh, develop my thought process to learn to think like a champion to think, you know, like a champion. Hey. Uh, and so coach Bryant, who the, the 79 championship was his sixth in last championship. And so, and then I had a tremendous, I, I like to tell you probably the greatest honor is I had, I was called by his family when he passed to be a pallbearer. Wow. One of eight Paul Bears for Coach Bryant. And, man, that was a tremendous honor for me. And uh, so I still try to live today by the principles that my college coach, Coach Bryant, uh, what he taught me. And I, I um, so I, tr I try to live by those today. And the event that we're doing, uh, this is the 50th year of Night of Legends is what we're titling it because uh, those guys were true legends that were the uh, first classes of African-American players that came to the University of Alabama and paved the way um, in the success that Coach Bryant had. Roman, if you'll pull up the decade of the 70s, really from that 71 team on is, is mind-blowing as to the record. Matter of fact, I, the decade of the 70s, from what I've been told, Coach Bryant was the first coach to win 100 games in a decade. Wow. So that, and that's, that's back when you played 11 games a season. Uh, and then the 12th game would be a bowl game. So he won 103 games in the decade of the 70s. Jeremiah Castillo is with us uh, on the Roman Gabriel Show, RomanGabrielShow.com. And uh, Jeremiah, for, for you, know, I, you know, I watched your team, you know, everybody did on television, you know, growing up in Southern California. Uh, and, of course, we were big USC fans. And what John McKay did at USC at that time was absolutely incredible. So when the, when you, those two teams matched up, and I believe that was the 1970 game in Tuscaloosa, is that right? 
then that was Birmingham. Legion Birmingham. Field, 1970. That's right. Yes. Birmingham. Uh, Ricky Bell came in there who, who was an incredible tailback for USC. And it was a, it, it was a great football game. Uh, but that really is the, is the football game that really put this on the map. Right. In, Sam Cunningham was the. That's right, right. Sam Cunningham. That's right. Sam Cunningham uh, uh, just went on. They they really dominated that game and beat Alabama uh, pretty candidly, and uh, I think that game really uh, put on showcase for the people in the South, and especially for the University of Alabama athletic program that uh, what we really needed to do if we were going to compete at a high level in the decade of the seventies. And uh, so coach Brian, and I, I just applaud them and the university for their decision-making and opening up the uh, football program. Okay. To, and uh, very t- let's not overlook the fact that it was a very tumultuous time uh, in the South. Um, you had, uh, you know, my wife uh, was a part of that integration uh, in Wilmington, North Carolina, Southern town uh, with, with a mostly white high school. They integrated an all black high school into that. And of course those kids lost their football team, their band, you know, all the things that they had pride in. So obviously it created, you know, uh, not just, not just a, a tumultuousness, but, but some, some real uh, anger. Um, so tell me about coach Bryant's decision in light of what was going on at the time. Well, I I believe that what just from what has been told me, coach Bryant's heart desire was to be able to do it years, decades prior to when it did happen. So that's the way he thought about it. Tell you a real interesting story. I conjured Holloway. Tennessee quarterback. Yes, was first black uh, quarterback in, uh, at the University of Tennessee. Anyway, we, just a few years ago, we were getting ready to play them. We were out on the field, and he said, hey, uh, I need to tell you something about your coach. So I knew he was talking about Coach Brian. He says, Condridge is actually from Alabama. He, he played football at, in Huntsville, uh, Huntsville, Alabama. And he said, uh, Coach Brian, when I was – Coming out of high school, Coach Bryant came to my house. Everybody, this is Roman Gabriel, host of the Roman Gabriel Show. You know, our mission is much larger than providing you an entertaining podcast. Our country faces an ongoing crisis of underage youth battling alcohol and drug addiction and a rising suicide rate. This problem impacts all of us and our families. Our nonprofit, the Sold Out Youth Foundation, has been my passion since 2003 impacting hundreds of thousands of middle and high school students, challenging them to an alcohol and drug-free life while providing a life-changing interactive online education platform, teaching students valuable life skills and success principles, equipping them to pursue their passion and dreams. I need your help. Our program is successful because of people just like you who financially support our movement. Please give safely and easily today by going to our website at soldouttv.com that's soldouttv.com, and click on the red Donate button. Or right now on your cell phone, text SOLDOUT20 to 484848. That's SOLDOUT20 to 484848. All donations are 100% tax deductible, 
And believe me, any amount will help. Your generous gift can help one more child stay on the right path to health, wellness, and success. Thank you, and be sold out. Welcome back to the Roman Gabriel Show. Faith, family, sports. Roman goes up close and personal with high-impact difference makers from the world of sports and entertainment. Get more exclusive content at romangabrielshow.com. Now, here's your host, Roman Gabriel. And he sat down with me and he said, Condridge, I would love to offer you a scholarship to come to the University of Alabama. He said, but the people in Alabama are not ready for it. What year was that? uh, I I would have to look at when Condridge was a senior in high school. I think it was late, been 69, But anyway, he shared that story with me. And he said, he said, you know, Jeremiah, my respect for your, for your coach. Uh, He said, this respect that I had after he came to my house when he literally didn't have to do that. And so that gives you some insight, Roman, into what type of person coach Bryant was. So you probably don't know the struggle. He probably was working towards this long before that and had some interesting discussions leading up to finally being able to do it, right? To do it, yes. And uh, so we um, – and, and I think that was what his, his heart desire was to see it way before it, ever, it happened, but get the political powers and the things that were just the political powers having to – and we don't know, uh, it, you know how much – went on behind the scenes and how he had to, what he had to do to fight to, to eventually get it, you know, done. 1970 was the first uh, year that the university of Alabama signed uh, a minority. And that was um, Wilbur Jackson. He signed in 1970. Remember him? The yeah, actually the year that, yeah. I remember, I remember watching that game, that USC Alabama game at home. Uh, you know, because, again, we were big USC fans in Southern California, and that was, you know, the game that everybody talked about was, you know, Alabama and USC and number one and number two. And if you remember back then what you just said about Coach Bryant winning 100 games in the 70s, you know, there were, there, there were very few teams, you know, the Nebraskas, USC, uh, you know, uh, Ohio State. Uh, there were powerhouses, and then there was everybody else. Um, yes, and, and Alabama was the king. Uh, so tell me about the night of legends. How, who are some of the guys that will be there that night from those first five Alabama teams? Well, some of the notables that people will nationally probably know would be, of course, uh, Wilbur Jackson. He went on to be a first rounder with the San Francisco 49ers and played for about 10 years. John Mitchell, who was – actually the first player to play on the field in 1971 is now still coaching with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Wow. So he's still coaching and has been with the Steelers, I think close to 25 years as a Steelers uh, assistant head coach. Um, Ozzie Newsom, who has been uh, general manager for the Baltimore Ravens and great tight end with the Cleveland Browns. Right, yeah, you play, you had a chance to play a little against him at Denver, didn't you? <laughs> yes. And so Ozzy is in that class. And you mentioned Tony Nathan, who had a great career with the Miami Dolphins, uh, is in that group. Uh, Sylvester Prune, who went on to be the first black head coach 
uh, in the SEC is in that group, you know, coached at Mississippi State. So as you can see, there's some tremendous just I, I think about the lead that the leaders that Coach Bryant produced. The, these are some of the players that we will be honoring that night. A gentleman named Ralph Stokes uh, uh, went on a great career with the PGA as a as a business uh, leader. He was the first black player to graduate from the business school. So and, what you're saying is the opportunity that Coach Bryant, you know, in making that decision, of course. Everything's about copycats of, of, of leaders that Coach Bryant's decision changed the, the, the landscape of the SEC and, and football in general, college football. And many of these guys you're talking about without scholarships to play football never would have got to where they are today. That's it. And we want to be able to put that on showcase. We want to be able to communicate that to the country, to our state, to the country, and to the world. Now, will uh, this be broadcast, Jeremiah? Will you be? Will this have an opportunity for other people to see it that aren't there that night, or stream? We, or? we we do not have a broadcasting contract with anyone right now. Well, I'm going to help you out with that. We're going to connect you. I'm going to connect you with DBNA Television, my streaming company, and see if we can't uh, do something about that, or at least find a way to where other people can see this because. You said it earlier that our country is is going through a very difficult time. Um, we have a great country, but you know, uh, you you said some things that are so important, which is when we forget our history and our foundation, we destroy our future for our young people. Uh, and and working with young people, that seems to me something that's really important. Is we have to, you know, regardless of our imperfections. We have to be able to teach our kids that learning from history helps us not to repeat that problem. Correct. I, I absolutely agree with you, and we uh, we want them to know. Uh, one one of the things we will do is we'll record it. You know, we'll tape it that night, but we don't have anything that for us broadcasting it. We don't have that, and we what we were going to do is tape it and then. Uh, the all of the future classes of Alabama freshmen will get a chance to see and that's great and actually uh, see okay this was this is the foundation this is how today what you've been what you're benefiting from it, it, it wasn't always like this Jeremiah Castile's with us a former Alabama national champion played for coach Bear Bryant member of the Denver Broncos Super Bowl 22 team and uh, uh Jeremiah, I want to tie the past to the future. Um, you've been around Nick Saban for 20 years, you know, as the chaplain at Alabama. And, and uh, I'll say this, that I've met a lot of people connected with the Alabama program and Fellowship of Christian Athletes has been a huge part of that. And I know Bear Bryant was a supporter of that. Um, you know, we don't hear a lot from Nick. Um, maybe you guys do locally, but nationally about his thoughts about Coach Bryant and that whole tradition, because what Coach Saban has done on the football field and developing leaders and, of course, number one draft picks in the NFL. I mean, Alabama's number one at that. Every year uh, they're playing for a championship, it seems like. Um, you guys, uh, talk, talk about some qualities that Nick Saban has brought that you saw in Coach Bryant. The first one I would <clears> – <throat> share with people is the spirit of excellence. 
tremendous uh, demand for excellence. We're going to do things exceptionally well. We're going to be great at it. And the demand for that, there is no room for compromise. And that, and that is something you hear Alabama players talk about. Um, you know, I talked to somebody, somebody, somebody brought this up when they talk about uh, Alabama right now, which is, you know, uh, they got it made because they get the best players that, you know, they, they've always got incredible talent. But my response to that is, uh, which a lot of people don't ask this question, it's just as difficult to deal with losing as it is to deal with the expectations of success. And one of the things that, that Coach Saban said that I really loved was the reason why I expect our guys to play at a high level is, is because we don't put results first. Everything's about the day of, about your job, one play, one series, one game, no matter who we're playing, we demand excellence from each player on every play and that improvement happens. And when that improvement happens, the winning comes. Uh, so you, so these Alabama teams that you were on, when you have a number one expectation, uh, the, the, everybody's expectation, especially your fans, uh, are, are uh, you know, out, up here all the time. And anytime anybody gives you a game or comes close, then what's wrong with Alabama? Or one loss, what's wrong with Alabama? Um, so talk about how difficult that is from a mindset for a 17, 18 year old kid to develop that mindset, uh, because it's really easy to, to look at the success you're coming into, look at the past tradition and say, we're Alabama, you know, we just, we can cruise to victory. Well, what you just described is we call it the process. <laughs> and, uh, what, what it entails is that when a young man comes on, campus is that uh, again as you say we're they're, they're not focused on the results what they're focused on is the discipline the daily discipline to carry out the assignment that you have at that moment it may be academics at that moment classroom work so you take that that same spirit of excellence and when you're in the classroom Hey, I'm going to put forth a tremendous effort and enthusiasm in accomplishing my the academic side. And then you, you go from there to, to football, you know, because it really is a student athlete. So you go from there, you go from the classroom to the field and you take that same, uh, that same discipline and, and demand for excellence and that's what, where to me, Coach Saban and Coach Brown was so much alike. And, and, and they communicate, they're great at communicating um, this to the players and then creating an environment for that to be produced. Jeremiah, obviously to accomplish what you're talking about, because I've been in a school where we had that kind of support from the chaplain like you, um, but we didn't have the support necessarily of our head coach. Um, how important is the buy-in from a head coach like Coach Saban to your success as a chaplain? It is of utmost importance. And uh, when a head coach supports that chaplain, he is, by example, uh, 
saying to the players that, hey, I believe in this this part of our spiritual program that we have in place for you all. He's saying it has it is priority to me. And Coach Saban has done that uh, behind the scenes, the support. So and, and what that does is the relationship there between the chaplain and the head coach means that then the environment is a healthy environment for those players to be a part of. And that's what Coach Saban has done. I've enjoyed working with him and uh, the support that he has given us. And I think that uh, it has directly reflected on the success that people are have seen over the last 15 years with the uh, University of Alabama football program. Uh, Jeremiah Castile with us, uh, Alabama chaplain, former Alabama All-American and NFL DB uh, with Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the, and the Broncos. And, you know, I've wanted to say that, you know, those of us who, who are Christians, who have faith, uh, we know what you're talking about because uh, when you, you just said the key word and there's no surprise why some of the great football players in the NFL today, that that's a big part of their life. Um, I've been covering the NFL for 30 years and what you just said, uh, when a player comes in with that kind of balance in their life, it just makes for a transition that's so much easier, right? Yes. Well, I that's what I experienced. I had I was involved with Campus Crusade and their discipleship program on campus at the University of Alabama. And I was involved for, for three of the four years I was there when I when I got drafted and, and was a rookie at Tampa Bay, I was ready spiritually for and mentally and physically ready for the adjustments that I needed to make in the NFL. I was able to handle the, the lifestyle, the things that comes with success. And it was because of this spiritual foundation that I had. So I want to, I want to talk about a, a player that a lot of guys in the media are talking about today. Uh, he was the number one draft pick of the New England Patriots, your quarterback last year, who set all sorts of records, uh, national champion himself, Mac Jones. Um, you know, we hear a lot of people who really don't know what goes on in a locker room and don't know what a quarterback deals with in the transition from college to the pros. But you do know that. Um, what are some of the things, Jeremiah, that make Mac special? Uh, and why he's having so much success. The first word that comes to my mind is humility. When a man is in a place of humility, then that he places himself in the greatest place to be, to receive as a student, all the things that come at us in life. And that's uh, for me, that's what I, uh, with Mac is he's all, he's, you know, when you're humble, it, uh, whether you you got a great game or not a good game, you 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 keep that even keel about you. Uh, when you're humble, you're able to uh, with your teammates. You you get you you gain the respect of those that are older and younger with your teammates, those that are your coaches. And so Mac has just carried himself from the day he came on campus at the University of Alabama in a very humble way. And I, and I, I would just attribute that to how he was raised. 
So I would suppose that you're not surprised that his ability to, uh, from a mental side of the game, uh, to learn so quickly, to improve weekly like he has in terms of his reads, in terms of ball placement, um, uh, he just seems to he, he just seems to be extremely calm in the pocket uh, and and able to process quickly. And uh, I I kind of think with uh, Nick Saban's relationship with coach, uh, you know, with Bill Belichick that there really isn't a surprise that Bill Belichick was happy to have Mac Jones in the first round drop to 14. Well, a, a lot of people overlooked him and they let us, they let a very special <laughs> player <laughs> to me. Should he, you know, uh, when you look at what he accomplished and how he did it last year, that team, um, there were some teams uh, that let him go by that should, that should have drafted him. And just tremendous. When you look at that team and how he led that team last year, every team in the NFL needs that type of leadership. Well, you've been talking about leadership throughout this interview today, and uh, that's something that has to be taught. And when you have a coach like Nick Saban or Bear Bryant, uh, you know, or Coach Belichick, um, you have expectations that are right up there up front. And you know exactly what needs to be done. You know, obviously – the work ethic of Coach Saban and what he expects of his players to Belichick is so similar to me. So it's, it is, you know, you can't blame Mac for being in the right situation, which people seem to say, you know, do this about him because, well, he's in the right situation. He's, he's in a Bill Belichick offense with a great rushing game and a good defense. Uh, and they don't expect him to do much. And, uh, you know, uh, Coach Mangini was on First Things First this morning talking about Mac. And he said, there's two things as a quarterback that you have to do great, regardless of whether you're at Alabama and you're in the NFL. And he does both those great. And that's process quickly and ball placement. And if you look at how fast he's processing and the placement of the ball, you know, it's almost uh, Jeremiah today. Everybody's wowed by the big arm. Everybody's wowed by the running quarterback. Everybody's wowed by, I hear the same thing about, well, his ceiling's high. You know, and, and max ceiling is, is, is here. Well, the ceiling includes your mental ability, your leadership ability, and the intangibles as well as how fast you can get rid of a football, right? It does. It does. What you just said about ball placement, I, I'll tell you, last year, the 2020 season, um, coming to that season, I thought I would never see anyone that could place a ball like Tua Tungvaloa. In college, and he's incredible. Yeah, incredible. Yes. but the deep ball that Mac just placement against. I, I last year I had I and I haven't. I don't know. Maybe I will if I live long enough. But where Mac could place the ball last year, he he exceeded what I saw Tua Tonga Valoa do here at the university. And, and two is a heck of a player that, uh, you know, and he's had some injury problems and it's been a very tumultuous time, the first half of the season for him, but we can get him healthy. Uh, that's another big part of the NFL is staying healthy. Uh, but when you talk about, when you talk about Mac, um, you know, I, you know, there's so much, there's so much talk, but the bottom line is, you know, I played quarterback. My dad played 17 years in the league, was an MVP in the league. So he showed me what is great about a quarterback you know, when you come into the NFL, everybody can throw. 
everybody can make the throws and I don't care what you say. Yeah. You may not have the, a strong arm as John Elway or, 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 you know, uh, uh, Dan Marino, but bottom line is everybody can make the throws. It, it all comes down to, can you process placement of the ball and do it when the pressure's on, when it counts. And Max seems to be great in the red zone. And here's the other thing that, that people overlook. The reason why Patrick Mahomes struggled until a week ago is Patrick was throwing interceptions. He hadn't done that in the last two years. He was making some throws that were unpatrick like uh, But you look at Mac. Bill Belichick's always been about protecting the football. Live to play another down. Take the sack if you have to. Throw the ball away and let's punt. And I know that's what Nick Saban says, right? Exact same thing. The exact same thing. And, you know, again, as you what we're saying, the way that Mac had been taught to prepare, I, again, you know, we said it, spirit of excellence, but that spirit of excellence has to come because there is the work ethic of preparation. And that's where, again, I, I think uh, Coach Saban, Coach Teams, that's where they're, uh, we're we're a little bit ahead of people because of the way that uh, the players are taught to prepare. Jeremiah Castillo with us, Alabama, the NFL. And, and the other thing it comes down to, Jeremiah, is, is winning. Um, you know, uh, nobody cares about stats inside the locker room if you're winning. Um, you know, and I think, I think guys like Mac and other quarterbacks that are about the team, uh, which is what Nick's all about and what Belichick's all about, and that's what Brady was all about, I'm not sure there's another draft pick that came out this year that could have handled the expectations of the Tom Brady shadow either, which nobody's talking about. <laughs> well, you know, I'm laughing because uh, if there was a player uh, that had all of the, the tangibles in the training, the background, you know, the, we could say championship pedigree, being on this big stage in college, you know, at a young age, then Mac, Mac is the probably the only player in the country that could step into that. And Brady reminds me of Mac when he was at Michigan. When you look at Michigan film and you see what Tom, Tom did in his improvement from that time to his first year in the NFL through. And I, and I think that's the thing that gets overlooked by non-football people is it's all about improvement. Um, you're either getting better every day or you're getting worse. Um, and when the NFL, there's no time for stagnant, I've made it. All the great ones, you you know, I'm sure you were the same way. This is a game that you try to be perfect, but you know you're never going to be. But the only way you're going to try to reach it is, is by, by having that as a goal, right? As a goal, every day. Every day. And uh, that is something that we uh, – I remind and we teach within our – our system as, as the chaplain is that get up every day with a spiritual, mental, and physical goal, and you check them off. Uh, if you don't hit it, hey, you, you get get the opportunity the next day to do it. But having spiritual, mental, and physical goals is should be a way of life. I believe when we do, then we continue to create an enthusiasm and an excitement for life. And whatever we do, whatever that uh, body of work is, you know, whether it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a pathway or a process for success. 
Yes. And that's what I try to tell people is, is, is don't knock it until you try it because, uh, because it, it, it's, it's carried me throughout my life. You know, I received the Lord when I was 13 years old. Um, and it was through the process and discipline of football that the faith side of me took, you know, kind of made sense because the yes. two things are so uh, parallel. Um, so yes. it was really easy to take spiritual lessons and apply them to football and then football to, to spiritual. So they're kind of ingrained in us. And then you take that, the results and you apply that to the rest of your life. So it's not something, you know, when people say, well, you know, football was 20 years ago. Well, football was 20 years ago, but the lessons learned are today, every day. And setting goals. You continue to set goals. I, I'm, I was speaking to a group here the other day. I said, hey, I still train at a high level. I still work out at a high level. Me and too. Like, why you do that? Because I have to have goals. The quality, it's all about the quality of life. You know, when you went out to play a game, what do you want the quality of your play to be? You want it to be poor? You want it to be excellent? So to me, it's the quality of life. When I'm, when I'm communicating with 18 and 19-year-olds, they're full of life. So you they, be they, they've got their whole life in front of them. They're excited yeah. about life, what they're trying to accomplish. Well, they don't need a dead guy in front of them. They need a guy that's still full of life. Well, Jeremiah, you're, you're, you're just a, one of hundreds and hundreds of players that I've talked to over the years that I talk about this all the time. It's not about what happened in your football career. When you were playing, that was a major focus. But how do you take – the attention that is is put, you know, fairly or unfairly in the United States is all about sports and entertainment. It's the it, it's the way we spend most of our time. Uh, you know, if you're a father, if you're not watching a football game or going to a football game with your son or daughter or, or a sport, then you're out playing it with them or or spending time with them or watching something like that or spending money on it. Uh, I always I always try to tell the story on the Roman Gabriel show. You know, this is what we're all about. Is you know, either you're going to use that platform to make a difference in people's lives because success isn't just about your success. It's about how you take that success and you multiply it to others. Uh, and, of course, that's a spiritual dynamic as well, uh, that whole multiplication factor of how uh, Jesus took those disciples and turned it into what it is today, millions of believers. Um, that, that's a process that's true. Um, and it's so exciting to see people like yourself and, and, and others um, that take that platform seriously, uh, that retirement isn't an option for us at our age at 60. You know, retirement's for when we go see the Lord and we're still going to be working. But, uh, you know, you're, you're probably having as much fun today as you had when you played, right? Amen. I'm having, uh, I'm having more fun because... I don't have to worry about injuries. Uh -huh. <laughs> I don't have to worry about, uh, you know, whether my ACL is going to be blown up. But, but what you're saying, the way that I, I like to put it, Roman, is that, you know, playing in, from high school to college to pro, you know, I became a legend. But how do you move from being a legend to leaving a legacy? Right. There's a difference. And so you're going to leave a legacy. That is what you just that, So how do you multiply? How do, how do you impart the blessings and the principles of that you, that help you? How do you give that to other people? And so that calls for discipleship. 
that calls for pouring into that next generation. The whole mentoring concept. Yes. And so that's what we have spent our lives since I left. Even when I was playing football, I was involved in disciple and mentorship. And so that's how we've spent the... our life uh, doing that and it is the most exciting uh, thing you can do with your life. Hey, this is Nick Ruffini from Revoice Media and I'm the executive producer of The Roman Gabriel Show. We got involved with this show because we realized that Roman has a passion for educating the next generation and we need your help. We need you to be a donor and go to soldouttv.com and donate whether it's one time or an ongoing basis. Please Help us educate the next generation by becoming a donor. Go to soldouttv.com and click donate. And remember, you can help us at the Sold Out Youth Foundation by donating. Text Sold Out 20 to 484848. That's Sold Out 20 to 484848. And help us help your students to stay drug and alcohol free. Welcome back to the Roman Gabriel Show. Check out more at romangabrielshow.com. Now, here's your host, Roman Gabriel. Well, you and I are examples of Bill Bright's huge vision at Campus Crusade, which was using students to change the world. Uh, And he left that legacy. I kind of compare him to Bear Bryant and to Nick Saban because Bill Bright had, had a vision of how 17, 18, 19-year-olds could change the world. Amen. Amen. Uh, and you and I are descendants of, of over 50 years uh, of that. Um, yes. And, and that's what Coach Saban, by cooperating and being – well, and he sees the results. He, he knows what the yes. virtual side does for players. But what he's done in his, in his partnership with you and with those who are in, who are concerned about the spiritual status of players, is he is building a legacy of leaders that will go on forever, much 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 farther than eleven and zero season. Um, yes, and uh, and I know you that he sees that because you can tell by uh, the way he cares about his players and and, and the way he, he uh, the way he deals with his players. And um, you know, I, I want to before I let you go, I, I'd be remiss because. You you played uh, for another coach like that, Coach Dan Reeves, with the Denver Broncos. Uh, coach Reeves played for Coach Landry. Tom Landry was probably the NFL equivalent of Barry Bryant. The Cowboys were the most dominant team of the 70s. Uh, and, and, and Coach Landry believed in that faith family football philosophy. Uh, you know, uh, Roger Staubach was one of the first guys that I looked up to. Uh, as a young quarterback playing college, you know, uh, because I saw Roger Staubach as the guy who put faith, family, and football in that order and was the best in the business. Um, So that really intrigued me because it was one of the first guys to speak out about a relationship with God. Uh, Another guy was Steve Barkowski of the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, and, and I looked up to those guys because they were, you know, th- th- I think that's what you have the great opportunity to do. As you know, Coach Dungey said this to me one time. Um, I was interviewing him uh, after his Super Bowl victory when his first book came out. And he told a story uh, about addressing his players. And he said, guys, you know, and it was totally opposite from what I had learned from a lot of my coaches that was like, hey, when I have you on the football field, it's all about here. And as long as you do it here, whatever you do out there when you leave here, that's your business. 
But what Coach Dungey used to say is, hey, I know you guys are great football players, that, that, or you wouldn't be here. My goal is that you be great fathers, husbands, Amen. great in the community. Amen. Amen. That's building a legacy of, of, of leadership because some of you are only going to play one year, five years. Amen. Maybe some of you will get 12 in. But the bottom line is I want you in the future to be the kind of leaders far after football, and that's to make you men is what I'm all about. And a perfect result of that we got to see because when Coach Dungey got inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame four or five years ago, we had filmed all of his players about Coach Dungey, just the same you talk about Coach Bryant and Coach Saban. And they talked about, you know, at that time in their lives, many of them were single, our young parents. But then 10 or 12 years later, we talked to those same guys. And what was the first thing they said? Today, everything that Coach Dungey taught us about being men, about being leaders, about legacy, that's what we so appreciate Coach Dungey for. Yes, the Super Bowl was a great thing and and winning was a great thing. But what he's done for me as a person, I'll never forget. Well, the, as you're talking, Roman, that my mind goes to the Vince Lombardi's, the John Wooden, all of these, the great coaches, football, basketball, what, what you're saying, um, they had a wisdom and understood that they were. I shared this, our last game of, of, the, of my senior year, I played in the Liberty Bowl. And right before we, the captains were to go out, we were playing uh, Illinois. Um, I just had this strong prompting to say something to Coach Bryant. I'd never said anything. I was a very quiet leader. And this prompting was just real strong in my, my, just in my gut. Like, you know, I'm like, man, if I don't get up and say something, I'm going to throw up. But anyway, I said, I got up and I, I, I said, Coach, can I say something? He said, yeah, he nodded yes. And I said, Coach, I just want to thank you. I said, four years ago, I came here as a 18-year-old boy, but tonight I'm leaving as a 21-year-old man. And it's because of the leadership, the principle that you've taught us. And I just wanted to, th- I, and I thank them. And, I, and so what you're saying, it, it's the great ones understand and have the wisdom that, hey, this is a, the principles of this sport you're to take into life. And when we teach that from the coaching aspect, then we build that legacy. Well, you know, it's amazing. That's what your son Caleb told me. And that's what Tony Nathan told me that day. That same, uh, that, that same thought process you're talking about, about the process of what they became coming in as opposed to when they left. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, leadership is more than winning. Uh, yes. Uh, you know, and, and, uh, and I think it's a, a testament to the tradition that you were part of with Coach Bear Bryant and what Nick Saban, thank God for Nick Saban, because, uh, you know, that's, that's what happens when you have a legacy. You have a responsibility to live up to it, and it isn't just about W's. Uh, it's about are you developing men to be leaders? And, and I think you and Nick and the whole process at Alabama, there's a reason why you guys – or at the top every year. Uh, it's because there's a process there, and that process is far more than practicing football games and playing games in the, in the fall. <laughs> Winning is just a byproduct of it. It's, it's, it's the philosophy of how we need to live our lives 
And when we can communicate that to the next generation in our foundation, Jeremiah Castle Foundation, we said, and this is something that I got from Coach Brian, we invest to influence, to impact, to inspire the next generation. That's it. Jeremiah, you and I are like brothers, man, because uh, <laughs> our foundation, the Sold Out Youth Foundation, which is why this show exists, uh, to help raise awareness the kids would not only follow their dreams and goals and, and reach their God-given potential in their life, but the drugs and alcohol wouldn't be part of that process. Amen. Uh, you know, that's, that's, why, that, that's a message. I hope everybody out there, there's been 48 episodes of this podcast and 20 years of this show. Um, I hope that you guys continue to see uh, that, you know, what Coach Dungey told me, you know, 98% of the football players out there, this is what they're about, guys. You know, this is what they're about. You know, making a difference in people's lives. They understand and are humble about the fact that they got the opportunity to play football, but that football was used as a tool to make a difference in people's yeah. lives and to generationally change the next generation of young people and leaders. And, uh, yeah. you know, we always hear about the negative, Jeremiah. We always hear that that's the popular thing to do today is to uh, single out the few and that's another thing Coach Dungy always talked about was, is, you know, we're always singling out the few. Vince Lombardi talked about that. I'm tired of talking about the ones that do it wrong. Let's talk about the number of people that do it right, and let's celebrate Amen. the people who Amen. do it right. And I think part of that, I think part of the racial component where we're in, Jeremiah, uh, uh, and all the problems we face today is, is that we've so focused on the negative in people and then negative. Yeah. Instead of looking at the overall and saying, listen, everybody's imperfect. Everybody makes mistakes. Every, everybody makes poor decisions, but what are we doing to invest in the process that people would be better when they leave this earth and when they, when they came in. Amen. Amen. And I know that's a big deal, but you're involved in that process every day because your job as a chaplain isn't about winning football games. Your job as a chaplain is to prepare these young people for life. Uh, and hopefully you have a coach that, that buys into that, which you do. Um, and I want to say this to coaches because I think people like Nick Saban and Coach Bryant and Coach Dungy uh, and others have created, finally stomped out. Uh, I played for a lot of coaches that were all about football. Uh, and your personal life was your business and that, that you know they felt like separating those things was best. But when, I, I think I think in the example of Coach Bear Bryant and Nick Saban, and then, of course, Coach Dungy breaking through as the first African-American to win a Super Bowl, I think he changed that, Jeremiah, in terms of the mindset of that as coaches, we can be mentors, we can, we can have uh, a balanced football player and win. And I think he, I think he stomped that out forever. Well, I, I just um, we do in the summer. We we have over the last twenty plus years. We do what we call character camps. Character, and we t the, the the camps. We put them through all of the physical things that you want ball players to go through. But what we focus on is talking about character. You cannot separate character and life, football, you can't separate it. He can't be just a football player. There's something called character. He's a person first. 
that football player is a person. And a person has has character. And that's either good or bad. We can develop the good character in people then because, I, like I like to tell them, you're going to live more life not playing football than you are playing. So your identity shouldn't be in that moment of what you're doing. That doesn't identify you. Your identity is greater than that. And so we really focus on character and teaching biblical character. And I tell them this, I say, your ability can get you to the top, but it's your character that you've got to have in place to keep you there. We've seen too many people with great ability in the different aspects of, of life, businessmen, entertainers, all of it, that were at the top and they fail because of lack of character. Jeremiah Castile has been our guest on the Roman Gabriel Show, romangabrielshow.com, and follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, Jeremiah, this has been a real pleasure. And before we go, let's just talk one more time about this incredible night, 50th anniversary of integration uh, in college football, which Coach Bear O'Brien had so much to do, the guy you played for, and that uh, you were a part of that, as lo- along with Tony Nathan, who we talked to, the, that great movie Woodlawn that kind of – tells the story in a story fashion that's true uh, about what this looked like. Um, night of Legends, um, give me the yes. night. How do people get involved? December 18th, Saturday night, December 18th, we will have a, a dinner at the Winfrey Hotel in Birmingham, Alabama. If they want to be, get involved. There's castillefoundation.org. Our website is Castile, C-A-S-T-I dot L-L-E, foundation.org. They can contact us there. And um, it is December 18th at uh, 5.30 p.m. And if you're an Alabama graduate, you want to be at that event, boy, you're talking about some incredible, uh, you know, football players and and now men that are are going to be celebrating this. Uh, Also, uh, you know, we're going to put the word out on all of our social sites, DBNA television, as well as uh, the podcast. But if you're listening to the podcast or the radio show uh, right now or the TV show um, and uh, you want to be a part of this, make sure uh, that you get involved, especially if you're in the Alabama area, uh, you know, where you're close by. Uh, this is going to be a great night. And uh, Jeremiah, just, uh, you know, uh, best to Caleb. Uh, your son's been a great example as well. Uh, and, uh, if you haven't seen the movie Woodlawn, you need to see it. Um, I don't know about you, Jeremiah, I took my daughter to see it and she was not even a football fan. Uh, and when it was over, she said that was an incredible movie. Um, and, uh, one of the things I loved about that movie is the, the football action was real. Uh, it was one of yes. the first football movies I saw where the football actually matched the story, you know? Yes. Well, amen. Well, thank you, Roman. Thank you for having us. And uh, you have a blessed Thanksgiving and just a tremendous holiday times as we approach Christmas. You you and your family as well, Jeremiah. Uh, Appreciate you coming in on the Roman Gabriel Show. All right. Thank you, sir. God bless. Jeremiah, appreciate you, buddy. Hey, uh, let me know if there's anything we could do. Email me any information you'd like me to put up on social sites as we get closer to the event. I'll get my daughter to do that for me. Yeah, that would be great. Uh, And, uh, you know, I'm going to send you some information. We're doing an event at the Super Bowl, Super Bowl week, Thursday, February 10th in Orange County at UC Irvine. It's going to be called Legends and Leaders. Oh, okay. Uh, And it's in conjunction with my Sold Out Youth Foundation. Um, We're going to have football legends and business leaders who are going to speak into innovation and success and how we can 
motivate the next generation of leaders. Uh, and uh, so we've got some uh, great guys that are coming in to, to speak at that. Uh, Vince Ferragamo, for, former quarterback of the Rams, and, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, Lee Steinberg, who's an agent in the NFL, uh, and uh, uh, Christian Okoye, uh, several, several guys that are guys like you and me that are guys that really care about the next generation and really want to, uh, you know, give, give some real wisdom, uh, you know, about the process, what you talked about today. So, um, so appreciate, you know, what you're doing at Alabama, man. It's uh, you and I have a lot in common. Campus Crusade was a huge part of my development spiritually. Uh, it really set the tone for the rest of my life. Uh, we had an AIA leader that wasn't, uh, wasn't, 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 he was a crusade guy. So he expected us to be like every other student. Um, we weren't allowed not to miss Wednesday nights. We were on, you know, with every other student. He just said, Hey, you're not going to be, uh, you know, special football players. You're going to be Christians when it comes down to, you know, what we're doing at Campus Crusade. And, uh, Many of us went into full-time ministry, uh, looked up to him. He was a great mentor to us. And uh, that uh, that treatment of treating us like everybody else and expecting us to do like everybody else uh, really gave us what you talked about, about Mac Jones, that whole humility uh, to recognize that we're no different than anyone else. We just happen to have a platform that we can speak loudly on. Uh, but uh, it's really exciting um, to see what you're doing at Alabama, man. Just uh, – I've been so impressed after talking to you today. It's the, the, it, it just, it, it just has opened up what the reason why Alabama is so special and why it's so, uh, so incredible, the success that you guys have had, it's a uh, much more than football. Yes, sir. It is. And you understand that I try to, I try to just give people insight behind, which called behind the scenes. And, and you and I know it, it's, you know, every good and perfect gift comes from the Lord. And when you have success, the way that, you know, over a period of time, like coach Brian, uh, coach Lombardi, even coach Lombardi, I've heard tremendous stories on him and his, but coach Brian, uh, I, I tell people this, I said, you know, one of the things coach Brian and coach Lem, um, Saban have their love for their players, their love. I tell people, I said, man, coach Brian, he was, cause he loved people. You knew that. Well, if you're not Every a people person and a, and a coach, then you're in a lot of trouble. And, and I'm apparently I, I played for a couple of those, that, uh, but I learned a lot, you know, from the football side, but not much from what you're talking about. And that's why over the last 20 years of being around guys like you, you know, one of the special things about this show is, is every time I have a guy like you on, which is regularly, uh, I'll look, I'll look at something you're doing and say, listen, you know, can I take one thing that they're doing and, and apply that to my own life? Or is there something that person said that I need to look at as a negative aspect that I need to improve? Uh, so, you know, one of the great things about being around leaders and being around s spiritual leaders is, uh, so, you know, one thing my dad taught me as a nine-year-old was, uh, you know, you have to, don't be afraid to be around you know, people that are that, that are better than you on the football field, you know, because it causes you to, to, to take your game to a new level. No, uh, there's expectation. But I applied that once I became a Christian from a spiritual standpoint of how do you how, make sure that you're iron sharp and iron, that you're around people that are challenging you spiritually to be everything that you can be. Amen. Uh, well, Rumble, when I got to Alabama, 
And I grew up in a home. I'm number eight of nine. My parents had a fourth grade education. We grew up. We grew up real poor. I grew up in a house that was condemned. That is, when it rained, it rained in the house. And so we, I was the first one to graduate from high school wow. in my family. And so we, it was, there was drugs, alcohol. I just grew up in, in a low income area of town. And there was not, you know, my dad was a hardworking man, but he had a fourth grade education. He was, he was a World War II vet, but there was not a lot of expectation as far as getting an education and going up. They that, but what God did was we have something. God, the Lord saved me at thirteen. Me, me, you. And, I was thirteen yeah, too. And he, I was the first one in my family saved. That walked with the Lord, and God took that, and He used my my life to minister to everybody, all my my family members and sisters and brothers. And, and, and my mother, my mother wasn't had a tremendous drinking problem. She was an alcoholic and. The vision for me as a teenager was one day I could see my mother sober. And so mm-hmm. when I got drafted in 1983, we put my mother in rehab. And uh, she came out of that rehab saved and sober. And she spent the next 36 years of her life sober. You and I have the same thing. I come from a generation, generational alcoholism in my family. And it's the reason why my foundation exists. I had a brother who started drinking as a sophomore, was an alcoholic for, alcoholic for 17 years. I was the one to find him. From that experience, he eventually got saved. Uh, and, you know, since then, you know, I've seen so many, you know, both of us seen so many people in our lives close to us that lost everything they had because of alcoholism. and Alcohol, yeah. Uh, and it's a passion for me because I, you know, I stopped drinking 17 years ago, not because I had an alcoholic problem, but because when I started speaking to kids, I said, you know, it's just not worth it. It's not worth it to have one drink so I can have that freedom rather than being able to tell kids that I'm asking you to do something I do every day, which is to live my life alcohol free. Uh, and, 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 you know, you, there's, I, I'm so appreciative you shared that because, I have so many people that share that story um, that have been impacted by that. Uh, but the beautiful thing is, is that your mom broke that curse. Uh, yeah, at 50, she was 52. Yeah. And, 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 and my wife and I broke that curse. Uh, my wife was married for 25 years before me to a man who was an alcoholic who left her. Uh, and I took over a 12 and a 14 year old and our two, our, uh, our two don't drink. Uh, and our grandkids, six of them aren't. Uh, so we broke that, that, uh, terrible. Amen. 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 Well, brother, it, God is good. Uh, Roman, he is. It, it, so for me, he, at 13, he became my wisdom and, uh, he gave me a vision for my life and, uh, uh he placed me in a great high school coaches, great college, just uh, all of the relationships that he, that's why I say I'm again, I'm a product of leadership. And so I just learned, I just gleaned from every relationship. And I still do today from the young men that I mentor and disciple, I glean from them. And to me, that's what's exciting. It keeps you in a place of growth. We don't ever have to stop growing. Right. One day my mother was, she was in her early eighties, probably 82 
we're on the phone and she said, hey, let me tell you what I learned today. And boom, boy, the spirit is just, did you hear your mom? She said, yeah. she's talking about what she learned. <laughs> you know, she's in her 80s. And, she, and that spoke very powerfully to me that uh, my mother, here she was in her 80s and she was still learning and growing. And I just, that's the way God is meant for life to be. Right. We just don't see a lot of people in the culture that have that wisdom and are operating in it. Well, we live in a time today where we have maybe, you know, as tough as things have been, one of the most incredible times that people are reaching, they're, they're searching, uh, they're, they're more than ever without hope and confused and looking for answers. Um, that's why I think we are in a time right now where if we're aggressive as a church, we have the opportunity to share the greatest message in the world Amen. And to help a lot of people who might not ever look at it except for some of the difficult things that are going on right now. Amen. Amen. Thanks so much for listening to The Roman Gabriel Show. If you enjoy the podcast, please leave a rating and review on iTunes and be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. And remember, you can help us at the Sold Out Youth Foundation by donating. Text SOLD OUT20 to 484848. That's SOLD OUT20 to 484848. And help us help your students to stay drug and alcohol free. The Roman Gabriel Show is produced in partnership with Revoice Media. Executive producers Roman Gabriel and Nick Ruffini. Audio editing by Justin Thomas. And graphic design by Catherine Wade. For more music, entertainment, and sports podcasts, check out RevoiceMedia.com. Listen to The Roman Gabriel Show Show at RomanGabrielShow.com or wherever you listen to podcasts.